He knows his stuff and sure enough it's shooting the bull with Tom Snow. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Shooting the Bull with Tom Snow. I'm your host Tom Snow and welcome to another segment of America's Forgotten Battles. Today's Forgotten Battle will be the Battle of the Wabash. So the Battle of the Wabash was fought on November 4th of 1791. It was fought in western Ohio and was part of a war called the Northwest Indian War. So the Northwest Indian War was fought between the United States of America and a confederacy of Native American tribes under the loose confederation of a man by the name of Chief Little Turtle of the Shawnee people. So it was American. It was not an American victory. The Americans lost the battle. I'm sorry. The United States lost the battle, and it was actually the greatest defeat the United States ever suffered at the hands of Native Americans. It was an even bigger defeat than the Battle of Little Bighorn, which is the battle most people think about when they think of Native Americans defeating the United States. So let's get into the episode. So let's describe the events that led up to the battle. So let's start by talking about Ohio. So Ohio was part of the Northwest Territory. And the Northwest Territory included not just Ohio, but also Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, and part of Minnesota. It's basically what we would call the Midwest today. So this territory was actually British before the American Revolution, but it was not part of the 13 colonies. It was actually um, just reserved as land for Native Americans. So the British gave the territory to the United States as part of the Treaty of Paris, which ended the American Revolution. It was just kind of like a throw in to sweeten the deal, if you know what I mean. Um, the Native Americans kind of felt betrayed that they did not get a say in this, so they refused to recognize American authority of the territory. So over time, more American settlers traveled to the Northwest Territory, and Native Americans resist by attacking and fighting these settlers and in many cases bloodshed is the result. So citizens living in this new Northwest Territory begin pressuring President George Washington to do something about it. So Washington sends a small army to drive the Native Americans out of the Northwest Territory. This fails because the American army is defeated and is forced to retreat back to the Eastern 13 colonies. So first attempt does not go as planned. So George Washington appointed a guy by the name of Arthur St. Clair to be governor of the Northwest Territory in 1791. Um, Arthur St. Clair had a military background, so he fought in the American Revolution and was eventually, by the end of the war, a major general, so a high-ranking person in the American army. So St. Clair decided to raise a larger army this time to also drive the Native Americans out of the Northwest Territory. So his army included two regiments of American Army regulars, two regiments of conscripts, guys who were drafted into the army mainly out of debtor's jail, and a large force of Kentucky militia. So all in all, his army had about 2,000 soldiers. Morale was kind of low, however, especially with the conscripts and the militia. So by the time the battle began, nearly half of St. Clair's army had deserted or gone home, uh, leaving him with about 1,100 men for the Battle of the Wabash. So on the night of November 3rd, American scouts report that an attack by Native Americans seemed imminent. 
General St. Clair reacted to this message by doing absolutely nothing. General uh, St. Clair was suffering from gout, and he did not really respect um, the Native American fighting ability, and he would be proven very wrong in the next 24 hours. So the next morning, the American soldiers stacked their muskets and were on their way to breakfast when Chief Little Turtle and his Native American warriors attacked from the woods. The militiamen panicked and fled toward the army regulars who were stationed on the other side of the camp. Most of the militiamen just kind of also forgot their muskets, so by the time they got to the regulars, they were kind of useless. Now remember, the army regulars are like your typical soldier in the United States Army. They're like your professional military soldier. So they're well-trained, they're uniformed, they're well-equipped, and they're much better at fighting than the conscripts or the militia. The regulars stood their ground and managed to delay the Native Americans for just a little bit. Eventually, they were surrounded by Native American reinforcements, and many of them were killed or wounded. So the American army also included many of the soldiers' wives and children who were who, took, who um, took cover behind army supply wagons. A lot of the militia and conscripts tried to join them, but they were forced out by the camp's women. So by this point in the battle, General St. Clair realized he had only one option, and that option was to retreat. He ordered the regulars to fix their bayonets and charge the Native American position. Since the Native Americans didn't have bayonets of their own, they kind of decided to walk, just kind of step aside and let the army regulars pass. This created an, an opening for the Americans to escape, and General St. Clair took advantage of that opening. He ordered his men to retreat all the way to Fort Jefferson, roughly 30 miles away. Um, the retreat kind of became every man for himself, and the Amer Native Americans continued to attack the United States soldiers. Um, many of the wounded were left behind and killed by the Native Americans. Um, the surviving United States soldiers finally made it back to the fort at night, so that's quite the marathon, about 30 miles in an afternoon. That's pretty impressive. Um, out of over 1,000 soldiers, only about 300 um, survived the battle. Most of the survivors were wounded. Um, also included in the casualties were several women and children that were unfortunately left behind during the retreat. So while the Native Americans were clearly victorious, many of them decided to simply go home after the battle. Most of them had farms to tend to and also wanted to start hunting deer and other game for the winter. So by doing so, they kind of let the opportunity slip from their fingers and really they missed on an opportunity to hit the United States when the United States was kind of in a bad moment, kind of down. And by doing that, they kind of really like passed on the one opportunity to stop America, uh, United States expansion to the West. So let's talk about what happened after the battle. So after the battle, General St. Clair was summoned by, to Philadelphia by President George Washington, and he had some splaining to do. So General St. Clair asked for a court-martial to hear his side of the battle. Washington denied giving him a court-martial and simply demanded his resignation, which General St. Clair submitted. Um, Congress also launched an investigation of the battle, so this is the first special committee investigation by the United States Congress. If you're following the news lately, you probably heard a lot about the January 6th Commission and all that, so this is the first Congress, um, special committee investigation authorized by Congress was for General St. Clair's defeat. Um, then after the battle, Washington authorizes a third army to be raised, and this time under the command of General Mad Anthony Wayne. So General Wayne defeated the Native Americans in 1794. 
Um, he forced the Native Americans to sign the Treaty of Greenville. And that is, and the, the Treaty of Greenville established the battle site for the Battle of the Wabash as the border between the Native Americans and the white settlers. So let's end this episode with a uh, This Week in History. So hopefully many of you guys will be listening to this episode on February 15th. And February 15th is the birthday of Susan B. Anthony. So Susan B. Anthony was one of the leading, probably the, one of the biggest leaders of the women's suffrage movement in the late 18, early 1900s. Um, she, she gained fame, or at the time, even notoriety for illegally voting as a woman. So women were not allowed to vote in the 1870s. And in 1872, she's arrested for actually voting, which basically is kind of ignoring the law and just casting a vote. She was convicted in a very um, widely publicized trial, and she refused to pay the fine that she was given, but luckily for her, authorities just kind of declined to take further action. Um, This kind of um, civil disobedience, if you will, prompted other women to keep on voting illegally, and eventually in 1920, um, Congress ratified the Susan B. Anthony Amendment, which became the 19th Amendment and gave every woman in the United States the right to vote. Every woman over the age of 18, excuse me. So, um, yeah, unfortunately for Susan B. Anthony, she passed away in 1906, so she was not able to live long enough to um, see her hard work pay off, but nonetheless a very important woman in United States history and just the history of civilization altogether. So happy birthday, Susan B. Anthony. And that that basically wraps up this episode. I'll probably have another episode for Black History out for Black History Month out this week. So stay tuned uh, and on the lookout for that. And until then, you guys have a very nice belated Valentine's Day. And I'll catch you next time on Shooting the Bull with Tom Snow. Also, congratulations to any uh, L.A. Rams fans out there. I don't really know any personally, but I'm guessing L.A. is a big city. I'm sure there's a ton out there. So congratulations to you guys. I, I really like Matt Stafford. He was on my fantasy football team a couple years ago, and I did pretty well with him. So, again, congratulations to anybody who watched the Super Bowl and was rooting for the Rams. So congratulations. Until then, catch you next time. He knows his stuff and sure enough it's shooting the bull with Tom Snow.